This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to The Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I've got Rob Dubay with me. Rob, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm I'm doing great, Brett. Thank you so much for having me on. It is an absolute absolute honor. Humbled to be here with you. Well, uh, humbled to have you. I I read a a blurb about you in in a book, one of my favorite authors, Gino Wickman, who's been on the show and obviously one of your business partners and in the the second book within the book, uh, but the EOS Life, uh, I read the Traction uh, book I've read and, and so came across your name in there stopped reading, said, I'm going to hit this guy up on LinkedIn. Your people get with my people. And next thing you know, we've got a podcast going on here, man. So I'm fired up to have <laughs> it's you. It's good so. energy. It's good energy, yeah. Brett. Well, that's a, that's a great book. That's a great book. And, and so, uh, but also you are the author of Do Nothing, the most rewarding leadership challenge you will ever take, which I can't yes. wait to talk about. And you are the co-CEO of a company called Image One. You're up in northern Michigan. I'm here in St. Louis. A little bit of temperature difference today, but that's okay. Uh, and you can probably see right here this little red hat. I did. Do you see remember that. this? And I do. You remember that in 2006? <laughs> I do remember it. My son and I were at one of the games, and he wasn't <laughs> happy when we left. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, we get beat a lot, so I can I can say that to some people and have some fun. Yeah. Anyway, no, man. I so, love it. Uh, I love what, it. What wake, what makes you the man you are today, Rob? I know it's a big question, but you don't just write books and, and co-CEO of a big company and the things you're doing around the world. And so just really anxious to kind of dive in the nuts and bolts on what's made you the man you are today. Mm. I mean, that's there's a lot there, but it it has a lot to do with having interactions with people like yourself. And, you know, anytime we meet wonderful people in this world, or maybe even not so wonderful people, uh, they have an impact on us and, um, you know, kind of shape uh, the way we become and show up in this world. So it's as you or any of your listeners, um, it's a lifetime journey of these sorts of interactions uh, that we've had that, that helped shape us. In my case, um, the Cliff Notes version of my story is uh, growing up, um, having some challenges uh, as a youth within my family and uh, not knowing, you know, kind of how to cope with those acting out in different kinds of ways. Uh, after college, starting a business with my best friend 30 years ago, actually this year. Um, and, uh, prior to that, we were selling these lollipops, blow pop lollipops out of our locker in high school, stayed together, started the business 30 years ago. Um, 
And it was stressful starting a business with your best friend. It was fun when we were selling blow pops, but when we got out of college and we had to make a living. <laughs> it was the real world. It was the real world. Yeah, exactly. And I'd gotten married a year after that. And then we had my wife and I had our first child. And so all this sort of angst that I had built up as a, as a youth, um, you know, really was showing up during that time uh, with all these kind of stressful but exciting events at the same time. And I just knew something didn't feel right. And uh, as a result, um, I, uh, you know, went to therapy and learned a lot about some of the causes and effects. And, and another thing that sort of speaks to the book I wrote, um, I learned about mindfulness and that became uh, something that was very useful and impactful in my life. And that's what I write about in my book, Do Nothing. Awesome. Well, we'll dive into that in a little bit, but talk to us about that therapy, that that big word, the T word, right? That yeah, a lot yeah. of guys sometimes don't want to talk about. I've had a business coach uh, uh, for years uh, that's helped me uh, a tre- tremendous amount. Um, but that can sometimes, you know, I think especially as guys, we can come across weak or it's this or it's that, but I'm proud of having a business coach and they've helped me tremendously, the ones I've had over the years. So how hard was it for you to say, you know what, man, I need to go get help or I need to go do this and dive into that part of your life. How was that? So it was 25 years ago. So thankfully the world has advanced in their, their thought process around mental health. But back then it was definitely challenging. Fortunately, um, you know, Joel, my best friend and business partner was somebody that I had a high level of trust with. And I just shared with him what I was struggling with. And uh, I said, do you know anybody? Uh, funny story, he was getting married at the time that he was engaged. They were going to, uh, he's Jewish and they were going to the rabbi every week as part of the process to, to um, uh, you know, and getting married. And so he asked the rabbi and he said, do, do you happen to, I have a friend, do you happen to know anybody, a therapy, a therapist that might be able to help him? And the, ther- and the, um, uh, the rabbi said, oh, you have a friend, huh? <laughs> insinuating it was him. <laughs> right. So Asking Joel never let me forget this, but that's how um, just speaking with somebody close to me, uh, reaching out for help. And it was the best thing I ever did. It was really the best thing I ever did. And I went to therapy for many, many years and it was really useful. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a big deal, man. I, I congratulate you on doing that because it is, it's, it's lonely uh, when you're in your own mind sometimes. Right. right. And so I think that's if right. we can go out there and have an outlet, somebody to talk to, I think it's a great spot Great use of time, great use of money because they're not free. Uh, and right. I know I've you know I've spent a fair amount of money on that stuff, but it's it's the best money, uh, some of the best money I've ever spent. So yes. I, I was when I was doing my research, I was fired up to talk to you about this because I think so many things we do when we're younger uh, help result in the things we do when we're older. And I was it's funny I was literally just talking to my best friend Derek Meinhart since third grade yesterday. And I was talking about I used to sell lemon heads and crybabies out of the pockets of <laughs> my pants in junior high and high school, literally my parents, I'm an only child. We'd go to, to Champaign, Illinois to us. Uh, that's where you go to shop when you live in Mattoon. And we would go to this place called Sam's back in the day. And I'd buy these huge containers of lemon heads and crybabies, And it was a quarter a piece or you get five for a dollar, you know, and I'm coming home every day, probably like you 13, 15, 20, 25 bucks in cash. <laughs> Like, this is awesome. You know, and then I read that you had a lollipop business. So tell me about that, man. What made you start that? And do you believe your entrepreneurial journey started back then? It did. It no doubt did because um, somehow we got the idea and I wish I could remember how or why, but Joel's uncle owned a 
uh, drugstore and we decided to sell the, the blow pops. They have the gum in the middle and he sold us, you know, the, them by the box, which had a hundred yeah. of them and they were a nickel each, you know, so you buy the box and you sell them for a quarter, like you were saying, yeah. and same thing, we'd come home, we'd have these pockets full of quarters and, you know, 25, 50 bucks or something. The kids would be lined <laughs> up in, in, uh, we'd skip lunch, you know, we'd just, we'd, we yeah. just go to a certain spot at this, at, in the school and everyone line up and we just, they, they flew out the door. <laughs> I mean, was, we couldn't yeah. keep them in stock. It was the best, easiest business. Yeah, it was amazing. Margin. I remember stocking my locker, you know, like I'd, I'd be like, oh man, I'm almost out. I got to go back to my locker right. to get more. And you walk around these pockets out and I'm like, that's right. Incredible. But, but maybe I think, like though, you, when I look back to that, I, I have a statement I say every day that's a, a one pager. And I even put in there, you know, remember, remember the beginning. And I said, selling lemon head. Heads, you know, and I think back to those days of the grind and hustle and, and maybe I'm making too big of a deal out of it. I don't know. I probably am, but I look back on those times and, and I think you learn about entrepreneurship and taking risks, but going to what they call that, that deep blue water versus the red water where everybody's at, you know, nobody else was selling candy. That's right. I wanted to do that. And I think in today's world, we got to do the same thing, go where people aren't hanging out. Yeah. And I think it is a big deal, actually. I do. I mean, and I think it's even a bigger deal that you keep that right at the forefront and you remember where that spark came from, because let's face it, business isn't always, you know, uh, the easiest thing in the world. You experience challenges, you have ups and downs, but there was something that sparked, something that got you going at the outset. And I think it's important to tap into that, especially as we get older and uh, remember, you know, where that came from and that excitement and, and uh, maybe just to help you through, uh, you know, a tough day, or even just if you're in a strategy session or something, yeah. you're just thinking about, wow, we've come a long way here. Let's not forget. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. And uh, yeah, well, we could go on and on about our lollipop business, but let's, let's talk about the circuits of success. Hence the name of this show. I talk about all the time, your attitude, your belief system, your actions that ultimately get results. Okay. Those are the four circuits. So when you hear those attitude, what comes to mind for you? Well, I think a bit about leadership and I think about uh, showing up as your best self every single day, wondering how you can serve those around you. So I would call it, I would lean more towards thinking about an attitude of servant leadership versus command and control. Hmm. Okay. So tell me that when you say command and control, talk more about that. Command and control is, uh, this is what I need you to do. Go do it and do it this way. That's yes. commanding and controlling. Servant leadership is, you know what you need to do. How can I be useful to help you succeed? And if it's nothing, then I will get out of your way. Yeah. And how many employees do you guys have, Rob? We have 67. Okay. So 67 employees. So what do you think is the hardest part for you from a culture standpoint? Or what do you guys do to excel the culture and, and make it a great place to work? Because you've, you've won all these awards, right? For best company to work for. I think one of them was even maybe coolest company to work for or something like that. Um, so what, what's that like? And what are you guys doing, uh, you and your best buddy there to make sure you're focused on culture? Well, hopefully, first and foremost, we are getting out of the way and we spend a lot of time recruiting and vetting um, amazing people to come do a much better job at, you know, at, at the work that needs to be done than 
my best buddy and I. (laughs) So it starts there. And and then once they come, it's how can we help them achieve their life dreams? It's not about retaining them because it might not be retaining them if we're truly authentic about helping them uh, attain their life dreams. So we have every team member every single year fills out or updates their vision and goals worksheet, which includes their vision for their future, five to 10 years, uh, their their one-year goal, their three to five-year goals, and then 101 things that they want to accomplish in their life. And sometimes mm. they can't get 101, but you know, you, you, you're shooting for it. And we go through those every single year and we have conversations with the team members and that are curious, you know, how can I help you? And maybe there's ways that we notice we can help, or maybe there's ways we're not sure. And that, that comes out of the conversation. Sometimes that leads to them at a certain point, leaving the company for you know, a, a new opportunity or, a, you know, somewhere that uh, is important for them to be. It could be a new, a new place in this world. Um, and, uh, and, and that is so gratifying so gratifying to know that our paths cross for some period of time and that we could have an impact on their future in a really right. positive way. And I'm sure they'll, uh, they'll pay that forward. I'm really mm-hmm. confident. Others, it's within the organization and it's really working with them to help understand, uh, to really understand and be curious about how we can get them, you know, whether it be the training uh, added skill sets, um, you know, uh, coaching, whatever it might be to help them attain their goals within the organization. And then it's not always career oriented, you know, oftentimes it's something personal that they want to achieve in their life. And then how can we be useful there? A fun story I like to share is one common thread that we saw in, I think it was 2018, I think it was the summer before the pandemic or 2019, I can't remember. Um, We noticed that many people on their 101 things they wanted to accomplish in their life list had skydiving. There was like 15 people. So we, as a surprise, anybody who had that on their list, we gave them a day we set it up. They all went skydiving together. And then a good number of the company was also invited to come and That's participate cool. and watch. Yeah. And it became, you know, sort of a team event and 15 or so. I think a few people who didn't have it on their list said, I wanted to do that. And so we, you know, anybody who wanted to do it, got to do it. So um, it's those sorts of things. Well, it had to be quite a rush watching like 15 or 20 of your people. It was awesome. Jump out of a plane. It's a, it was an <laughs> event that, that, uh, that they'll never forget, I'll never forget, and probably one of the more memorable things actually was announcing it. Yeah. Um, oh heck, you know. yeah. Yeah. The excitement of that, man. I've, yeah. I've helped people check off their list. I have the same thing, kind of the hundred things I want to do before I die, and I've got them framed in my office. And oh, cool. I love when we hit one, and then we can go in and I, I highlight it and then reframe it, and uh, just it's just a fun exercise. So yeah. Um, yeah. What about the belief system? So if I had to challenge a belief that you know to your core you know, as a, uh, a husband, a father, a leader, whatever it may be, like, I just know this is a belief of mine. Like, this mm-hmm. will help me be successful. What is that? Mm-hmm. Well, it's beginner's mind. And what I mean by that is that, is that I, I will question 
all my beliefs. Um, because who says I have the right answers or the right values in place for every single situation. And so I want to bring myself back to the beginning when I was completely open to all things and, uh, and approach all situations like that with great openness, deep, deep listening and, uh, and not solving. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so that, that, that's what comes to mind for me, Brett. And then let's go to the actions. Kind of that third circuit is if I followed Rob around, you know, all day with the camera and we did this every day for a month, what, what are the things that I would see that would be going on day in and day out without fail for you? Mm. Well, something that's been useful for me, and I'm not suggesting it would be useful for everybody, but each evening, as I look ahead to the next day, I have the top three most important things that I need to accomplish to move forward towards my goals. And when I say my goals, that encompasses the company's goals and things of that nature. I have the same thing that I do each week and each quarter and each year. And so those would be actions that I believe help create traction or momentum uh, to move towards the big picture. Yeah. And what, what about on days you don't want to do it, right? What, what do you find that motivation after 20 something years, I believe, of building a company? I mean, there's got to be days where you just don't want to do it. Would that be a fair statement? No, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> no, it's not a fair statement for me. No, all right. No, so, like, so where I, do you find that, right? I mean, and I, I feel like I'm pretty much that same way. Like, I love what I do for a living and and get fired up to get to go do it every single day. But even still, there's occasionally, man, I was up late with kids' sports. I'm like, yeah, I'm a little tired today. I don't feel like it. But but you still got to show up and do it. So I guess maybe that's yeah. the answer. Yeah, that is the answer. Actually, I mean, look, yeah. we're not always you know well rested or fired up with energy, but you know, you get, you, at least in my case, I show up, I'm ready to go. I know what I need to do. I'm clear about it. Um, and I think too, the sooner that you can figure out what you're passionate about and, um, and what you're excited about, that's definitely useful. Um, and being around the kinds of people that you want to be around, you know, that changes the game, you know? And so there are people, we always talk at image one about, uh, being around each other and being lifter uppers, not dragger downers. You know, we're not about drama. I mean, those things happen. We're about how can I, if, if we have a difficult situation, which always happens, it's just part of it. It's okay. How can we lift each other up and get into what do we need to do to move forward mode and yeah. not into, you know, all the things that are on healthy mode that don't serve anything. And they're just time wasters. Yeah. Yeah. So, Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the things I love to talk about. I call it the bounce back theory. The most successful people I've ever been around get difficult news and they bounce back very, very quickly. Right. So what would you say for you is how do you do that? How do you have the quote unquote pity party and and then get (laughs) over the bad news and move on? So it's not, you know, lingering for days and weeks and months. That's such a great question. And, you know, I think the first thing that, that we do that we do and we incorporate in our style, so to speak, is, you know, let's, let's be upset about it for a minute. It's okay. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, that's a natural yeah. emotion. So let's be open and honest and vulnerable about how we're actually feeling. Um, once we've given ourselves the space to do that, let's look at where we could have done better, you know, just with, with support. 
you know, not like uh, in a negative way, but in a really supportive way. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to make poor decisions. And we just know that that's the past and there's nothing we can do about that. All we can look at is the present moment and what we can learn from that situation. And then if in the worst case of scenario, sometimes you said pity party, we use that too. We'll say, okay, 24 hour pity party and tomorrow it's over. Okay. So have, have your moment and then tomorrow let's move forward with positive energy. And so it's just giving the space, I think, to, to have that quote unquote pity party and then move forward with resilience tomorrow, knowing that you're a better person and you're wiser for it. Yeah. I mean, would you say there's got to be a significant amount of clarity of where you're going, I think, because it's easy to say, just have 24 hours and get over it. But, you know, we've all dealt with bad news as, as business leaders, as human beings. And, and I think there's still that thing sometimes for me, I'm so competitive that can really piss you off two days, five days, seven days from now. But I think the key moment is taking the steps forward to do things about it now. So it doesn't linger every day, all day, but it's probably going to come back in our minds a little bit. Yeah. Would you agree? Well, uh, yes, but there's tools for that. And it's understanding the nature of our mind and where it goes and the stories that we create and how big that they can become. And when we see recurring themes happening in our mind, they might be different situations, but they they could be you know the same theme over and over again. And that means our minds are wired a certain way. And we can work on that. You know, we can pause and notice when we see a theme, when we see a common um, uh, theme coming up and we can learn to rewire and say, okay, stop. This is what's happening. I noticed it. Now I'm going to move forward with resilience or I'm going to move forward in, in a different sort of way than I normally do. And then it comes up again later, stop. And we have to continue that because we're training our mind in that way. So we don't have that, these recurring things happening on and on in our minds. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, again, I I always say the roller coaster that as business owners you you get on, it's easy to say that again, I've said this earlier, hard to do, but again, I, I mean, how clear are you on where you want to go personally and professionally? Well, I'm very clear. I mean, I have a stated 10 year vision and it's written in a way where it's as if it's happening at this moment. It's a story. Uh, now that just happens to be the way I create my yeah. vision. You know, there are many ways to do it. Um, but I'm very. So how did you do that? I did it through. Uh, I did it with my wife, which is another thing I love to share because this isn't just my journey. I'm in my case. I I have a partner along with me, and when I say that, I mean a life partner. My in my through my marriage and somebody who's very important to me, obviously. Um, And so we sat down and we said, you know, what are we proud of from the past? And uh, where do we see us going in the future? And we picked 2026 as that date. And this was back in 2016. And uh, so then we started to bullet point out things that were important to each of us. And, uh, and, and then where there were commonalities, common themes, uh, areas where we didn't have common themes and talk about those and how important is it to you? How important is it to me? And then picking a date and beginning the, the process of writing it out and what it vividly looks like. Where are we? What are we doing? What has transpired? How has it made us feel? What's going on in our life at this moment? And, uh, and then, 
using that as a draft that we can look to on a regular basis and make updates as things change in our life, because things do change. Yeah. You know, um, we have kids, for example, and, you know, when we wrote it, we thought one thing and now they're in different places than we thought, <laughs> you know, and we didn't expect a pandemic to happen. So that changed some things. Yeah. And, you know, so it's a working document and we read it together uh, monthly. That's and, I was going to say, how often are you reading that? Yeah, we read it together monthly and we just say, does it still resonate? Does all yes. this still make sense for us? Yeah. And uh, we make changes, little changes here and there, usually yeah. not big, but little ones. Yeah. And I think that's the the key part I've learned over the years is to give yourself the permission for it to be okay. Right. I used to write these things out. I've had business plans and what I call design statements for years. Yeah. And I read mine, you know, weekly and, and my wife certainly knows about all these things as well, which is important. But I think it's okay to not think it's got to be perfect and this everything's just going to work on it, right? It's a, like you said, it's kind of a living, breathing document that it's okay that it's going to change. That's right. That things change in our lives and that's okay. Not beat ourselves up over it. That's right. Yeah. And I love that you read it weekly. And, you know, I, I think that the, the more often that we can read our vision and review our goals the more they get ingrained into our mind. And it just, mm -hmm. it's as if it, you just start doing things in some way, right. <laughs> because it's just there. I mean, I noticed that with our vision and I do read it weekly. It's just my wife and I sit down monthly and, yeah. um, and I have found that I start doing actions unconsciously that are moving towards that vision. Yeah. And, yeah, I think it's a really valuable exercise and it yeah. doesn't take that long either. No, absolutely not. And I think, again, that's that action piece that I talk about in the circuit of success because I'm not a hockey player, but if I were, you know, I would say the analogy of what if you had the best slap shot, right? You had the best slap shot in the world, but you didn't know how to ice skate. Could you be a hockey player? Well, no, right? Well, same thing. Pick your industry, whether it's investments, being an attorney, an accountant, doctor, whatever it may be. You may be the best, but if you don't take action to go out and do things and build your business, you're never going to be the best in your industry. And I think that's where people have to get is don't have that. Uh, was it paralysis by analysis? Just go out, make it happen. Take the first step. Like you said, take action. And then yes. things start to come together when you mix it with a good attitude and a belief system. Yes. Ultimately, yes, well you get the stated. results. So um so for you, I mean, I'm sure you're helping people with this all over as well, but you know, I, I just had a discussion uh, of last, last week, two weeks ago with a person who's been running a business for 20 something years. They've been very successful, you know, from the outside looking in, you're like, what's this guy's problem, right? But, but at the same time, it's like, what, what is it that's next? And I keep talking about the clarity for that. And I think for people, it's key to have a lot of clarity in your life. So again, I know you've got this document, but walk us through, if you will, What's that look like for you and your wife? Are you taking time away from the business every week to work on it? Are you just kind of sitting in a quiet spot dreaming about it? What, what does it look like and how are you designing it? Well, as far as taking action on the vision, just so I'm clear. Yeah, taking action on it, but even creating it. Yeah. So, you know, we used a framework from a place called Zing Train, which is part of a family of companies, funny enough, from a deli in Ann Arbor, Michigan called Zingerman's Deli. Huh. Okay. And they have, they've, they, they are masterful at creating vision and they have a training component to their family of companies and it's called Zing Train. And so you could go online and type in Zingerman's visioning process. And there is what's, uh, they have a booklet 
that will walk you through step-by-step how to do this. Now and we Zingerman's, use, what is it? Zingerman's, um, Zingerman's uh, visioning process. Okay. Yeah. And um, my, we, I first got introduced to it because we took our company to do the Zingerman's uh, process. And there was uh, 15 of us out of the company that went and went through that to create the vision for the company. And then, you know, I, once I learned how to do it, it's quite easy, kind of how I described earlier, um, you know, my wife and I sat down and, and did it for our personal vision. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love it. And I think it's taking the time away. I mean, there's another great example, right? Takeaways for people. You probably spent some dough, right? You spent some money to sure. go and you met sure. with people and you took your team and you did it. And I think that's a, that's a big commitment. That's a big deal. So talk to us about this book uh, you wrote called Do Nothing, The Most Rewarding Leadership Challenge You Will Ever Take. But yes. I'm, I'm curious, man, do nothing? Could you imagine? <laughs> no. And actually, I can't. I can't wait to hear why. Because Not I know in this world. Not in this world. We're too fast moving. And frankly, that's part of what I challenge in there um, is, you know, things are coming at us so fast. And how can we really cultivate a true sense of mindfulness? Now, for me, I learned this through meditation. Uh, I started in 2005 meditating. I had sold my company in 04. We stayed on for, we had a three-year contract, as often the case, uh, to segue out. I was in the first year of that contract and I was awfully stressed from our conversation early. I'd never worked for anybody before. This was a large organization and it was like the Titanic and I just wasn't accustomed to it. And having that sort of foundation of anxiety that was built up earlier in my life, although I had been through therapy, understood where it came from, didn't really make that foundation go away. And it can flare up, so to speak. And yeah. that's what was happening. Just so happens I'd read a short article about meditation on this one particular day. I have to be on vacation with my family and they were out enjoying the day as they should have been. And I was inside, I was working on a project and I was really stressed out, really, uh, really uh, on the verge of tears, quite frankly. And I looked across the room at this chair and I just said, Hey, go sit in that chair and just try this meditation thing that you read about. And I was pretty skeptical about it, but I was willing to try anything. I sat down and I just closed my eyes and I focused on my breath. And I only did it for about five minutes. And at the end of doing that, I actually felt calmer and I felt a little bit more capable of taking on these challenges because the challenges didn't go away. They were ever present. The frustrations were still there. So that didn't make any of it go away. I did not go to some Zen place in five minutes where it was like, oh, you know, or something. It wasn't like that. What it was, and I realized this is a tool that can help me in my life be more mindful and recognize what's happening, recognizing these triggers, and then being able to pause in that moment between stimulus and response, where I can choose how I would like to respond. Now, that pause between stimulus and response, that's a quote, actually, I use from Viktor Frankl, who's a Holocaust survivor. And he's the author of the best-selling book that I highly, highly recommend uh, your listeners pick up at some point. It's called A Man's Search for Meaning. And he learned how to pause in that moment between stimulus and response, you know, while in line to potentially 
his death and finding the beauty in that moment. And when you start to find the beauty in these spaces in your life, the, the anxieties, the dramas, all the things that are going on, they take on a different quality. And that's the magic of the practice of meditation. And so that's what I write about in the book. Somebody asked me, what do you do when you're sitting there? And I go on these meditation retreats as well. And so somebody said, you know, what do you do when you're sitting there? You're on these meditation retreats. I mean, you're just sitting around doing nothing. And I said, well, it might seem that way. Um, but actually it's the hardest work you'll ever do, which is the second part of the book or of the title. It's the most rewarding leadership journey you'll ever take because it'll be the hardest thing that you ever do. You are not wired from the time you came out of, you know, the, the womb you have been going and thinking and doing, you have not stopped to slow down and vacation does not count. I don't care if you're sitting on a beach, reading a book you're doing. What's it like to pause and get back to the basics and recognizing this, this beauty of the present moment. And it's quite remarkable when you're able to do it. It's incredible, man. I'm a huge meditator. And, uh, you know, when I first started, gosh, this was probably back in 2013, 14, uh, somewhere in there. And, and I remember five minutes felt like a lifetime. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and then now uh, you know, get to the point where five minutes, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're not even getting started yet. And, but I think it takes a lot of practice when you agree, because, because uh, it also, for me, I've, I deal with anxiety a big time. And I think for me that when I first started meditating, it actually made me a little bit more anxious. Yes. And sometimes would even get a little lightheaded or a little dizzy, things like that when I would do it. So then I'm like, well, this doesn't work. Like these people are breaking quack jobs, right? Like this isn't, I don't know what they're talking about. And then, but then you, you keep reading about it, you keep studying it and you learn more and you learn more. And now I think it's cool is that you probably are this way too. So if I'm feeling some anxiousness in a meeting, I can kind of meditate in the meeting without people knowing. Are you that way? Yeah. You pa- you're pausing, you're focusing in on your breath. You're recognizing uh, the stimulus that's happening, that's start, starting to work you up. And then you're through your practicing, because what you're doing in the meeting is putting it into action. Yeah. The practicing is sitting down for 5, 10, 15, whatever amount of time a person does it yep. to recognize the thought pattern and then to learn how to pause before you react. So yes, that's that to answer your question, that's how I would characterize it. Yeah. Have you ever checked out AeroFit? Uh, have you no. ever heard of that? No, I haven't. So it's something I've incorporated about three months ago now into my breath work or my meditation, whatever you want to call it. And it's it's literally like a mouthpiece type thing that you that you use. And it's a, it's a guided meditation, guided breathing of different things. So you want to work on better sleep or, or less stress or performance in working out, whatever it may be. It's got all these guided things you go through. And I'm telling you, the, the, the amount of breath I can take in and out now and my <laughs> meditations are off the charts. And so it dials it in to where you, it gets harder to breathe in and out with this thing. So Fantastic. it's called AeroFit. I'm not paid to Aerofit. say that. I'm just, it's just something yeah, that's yeah, really no, helped it's me. Great resource. It's really, really cool. So, um, you know, you, you and I like sports. We were talking a little bit before. Yeah. And I like to use sports analogies or music analogies when we talk about practice. Um, because people, as you mentioned, when they do a meditation, oftentimes they get discouraged 
And what I like to share is this is this is a something that you work on for really a lifetime. It's it's a never-ending practice. And when you think about the sports analogy, the best players on the team, whether it be you know any of the top sports, you know football, basketball, uh, uh, baseball, hockey, soccer, yeah. any of those, the best players are always the last one in the gym or on the field or whatever. They're they're working on their shot or their swing or whatever late into the evening. Everyone else went home right? Yep. Musicians, yep. you know, they're playing their music, they're, they're honing in on their craft until they're exhausted. But when the big game's on the line, you know, and they got to make the shot or make the, the hit or whatever it might be, they could tune out the tens of thousands of people that are yeah. shouting for them or against them and they can deliver. And the musician, when that curtain goes up and they have this amazing performance that has us all in awe, I mean, 80,000 people in a stadium in awe of yeah. one person. Think about that. They are able to deliver. Now we're ordinary people, Brett. So our every day is in that meeting you were talking about, or right. you know, just grabbing a coffee and it's a long line and you're irritated. That's the big game for us. It's how we show up. And that's through practice. Yeah. And practice is what it's all about. Love it. Love it. Um, what would you tell yourself now? Looking back, you you give Rob Dubay some advice, some feedback. What would you tell yourself 10, 15 years ago? I would say just follow your path. Allow the things that happen in your life to come up and allow them to be without with ease, I should say, not without ease. Allow them to be with ease. Just yeah. knowing and having the trust that all these life experiences that are maybe such that you don't want them to be this or you don't want them to be that, they're there to serve you and they create wisdom and that will serve you at a later time and just have trust in that. Love it. What, uh, anything from your phone, if I steal your cell phone from you, is there anything that you would freak out if I deleted or, uh, how's, how's your phone play a role in your life? Yeah, that's a great question. I like that a lot. Um, it really doesn't. So you can have it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Has it I always deleted. been that way or did you have to build that? Relationship no, I learned like that? that it was, I learned that it was, a, it was sucking the life out of me. And so I try to use it in a practical way. At least it's practical for me. And yeah. that is if I need to check my email for some reason when I'm not at my desk, which hopefully is very rare that I need to check my email when I'm not at my desk, I will. Yeah. I have my email app. I have obviously the texting and I try to do that with limited people. Um, so it's not, you know, taking up a ton of time. Of course, the phone actually, you know, we still, I still sure. actually use that. And uh, if I want to listen to a podcast like yours or something like that, you know, learning is, is something I don't mind using it for. Yeah. But other than that, I, I just prefer to have it away. So are you good at getting home and putting it away, like up in the bedroom somewhere? Or yeah, or just, I, yeah, I don't need to put it. I, I don't need to put it away for me. I'm not drawn to it in that way. I just turn it upside down, put okay. it on the counter or whatever. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Well, where can our listeners find more of Rob Dubay? Well, thank you for allowing me to share that. Donothingbook.com is the best place. You'll learn about uh, Image One. There's some great resources on mindfulness there. Um, how, to, how to talk to me about speaking engagements. I host a retreat for leaders every year, so you can find out information about that. I also host a podcast, Brett, leading with the Leading with Genuine Care podcast, so you can check that out. And uh, soon to come, the 10 Disciplines of Managing and Maximizing Your Energy, which I'm in partnership with one of your past guests, Gina Wickman. 
Awesome, man. Well, I can't wait to look at that. That's going to be phenomenal because anything uh, I'm sure you're doing with Gino is going to be first class, man. It's awesome <laughs> stuff. So, Well, Rob, I've enjoyed having you on the circuit of success, man. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom and uh, lots of takeaways here and appreciate your leadership and everything you're doing for the people Brett, out there. Thank you for reaching out to me and having me. It's been an absolute pleasure and I'm humbled and you, you got it. You've got a great show and you're a great host. So I really appreciate the, awesome, the work man. that you bring to the world. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, buddy. Talk to you later. See ya. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 